I'm going to change the format of the service here just in a minute. I enjoy coming to church. I enjoy preaching. I enjoy doing preaching. I enjoy listening to preaching. I love preaching, and I love preachers. And appreciate my brother being here tonight and his wife, Marcia, and I completed 33 years there at Cranberry Baptist Church in Cranberry, West Virginia, outside of Beckley, great metropolis it is. And uh, he's been faithful to the Lord and now going into another avenue of ministry. Brother Ken's going to another avenue of ministry, pastor, started churches and done quite a bit of work over the years. And God has used people in various and sundry ways, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm going to ask them both to do something for me tonight. Uh, I overdid it this morning, probably preaching a little bit, and we got a short breath. And uh, I want to not abuse my body. I go to the lung doctor Tuesday and the MRI on Thursday. I'm having two MRIs back to back. Now you want to see if I got a brain? And if I got a brain, maybe I'll be all right. But uh, I'm going to ask Roger to do something. Once you do something, we've got about 30 minutes. I think I can divide it in 15-minute increments. They told us when I started preaching, Ken, be ready to preach, pray, or die in a moment's notice. And back in West Virginia, they could get us sometime. I don't want you to preach. You don't have to necessarily preach a sermon, but I'm going to ask you to do something special. But they would uh, call us from the floor. And uh, I remember one time somebody preached on heaven and somebody else come preach on hell. And uh, somebody preached 15 minutes and somebody else conclude the sermon. And they'd have us popcorn preachers. It was back in the day when God was calling men to preach. And they're few and far between today. I think God's still calling, but people ain't listening. And we need young men to answer the call of God on their life. Some of these old timers around are going to be gone for long. I have a debt to pay to a lot of mentors in my life who influenced me, older men who had an impact on my life. And I'm grateful for that. And they stepped off the scene and I've not done much, but I'll be gone before long. I'm 27 years old and the years are going fast. Brother Roger, I want you to come and give your testimony. Tell how God saved you. Coming out of the home, the same home we come out of together. And then Brother Ken, be ready when he gets through and come and give your testimony also. God bless you. I love you, brother. I love you like a brother. Amen. <laughs> well, it's a joy to be here, always at Faith. And, of course, we've been coming this way for many, many years. I remember the very first time I came to Kannapolis, that's when uh, James and Nancy was dating. And I think I was probably 10 or so. I don't know. No, I was actually older than that. But uh, we got lost, and the police pulled us over or something, right? And the, but he gave you an escort over to the Keys house. He knew exactly where you lived. I guess Brother Weldon had been in and out of jail for a number of years or something. I don't know. <laughs> we did grow up in a preacher's home. And... Uh, Oftentimes we're asked, well, why are the preacher's kids the meanest kids in the church? And it's very simple. Uh, they have to run around with the deacon's kids, and there's no question on that one. Uh, but uh, I learned a lot growing up, and I always said that not me, never me, of uh, preaching. Uh, I would not do that. Uh, but uh, James answered called preach when he was a young man. I was in that service that night, and uh, sitting with a little girl, and Dad was preaching a revival. And uh, he asked James to give a testimony, just like tonight. You're asking me to give a testimony, but he asked James to give a testimony. He was sitting about two or three rows behind me and had been working in a lumber company down in Canova, West Virginia. He'd come home, and a little church there at Price Hill is not even there now. But uh, I remember James uh, taking off preaching, going down the aisle, and he was uh, 
uh, after it. There's no question about it. I never will forget uh, that night. James has had a tremendous influence on my life uh, as a kid. And uh, growing up uh, in a preacher's home, daddy wasn't always available, but I'm thankful for my brother and uh, both of my older brothers uh, that helped me and tried to help mom a little bit when they put me in the bathtub and washed my mouth out with soap. I'm not sure exactly what I said, but I do remember that. Do you remember that? I'll get you back one of these days, but at any rate, uh, I remember that very well and the influence that he's had on my life. And um, I thank the Lord uh, for James. Uh, growing up in a preacher's home, I was baptized when I was seven, but I never remembered a time that I had trusted Christ as my Savior. I was 18 years old and going through a lot of different things, trying to find purpose for life itself. Had a car accident and uh, could have uh, taken my life. I realized that. And it was through that time of my life that God was getting my attention. And I remember that I went forward and trusted Christ as my Savior at the church that my daddy helped start there in Beckley, West Virginia. 1970, then I was baptized again. Baptism doesn't save you, but baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. And there had been no change in my life, but I was baptized again. And praise the Lord for it. It was about nailing down salvation. And shortly after that, I met my wife and... Uh, we began to date. I was 19. She was only 15. It would be a cold day where the boogerman lives before I'd let my daughter sit with a 19-year-old at age 15. But uh, the Lord allowed us to come together. Uh, and uh, we were married in August of 1970. But during those days, we just simply wanted to be obedient to the Lord, singing in the choir, singing in a quartet, singing a lot of different churches and giving testimony. And it was through those days that the Lord was speaking my heart about preaching. And I finally just surrendered to, to the Lord, whatever you want me to do, asking him if I could just be a lay speaker. <laughs> I wasn't interested in pastoring, wasn't interested in preaching. And, uh, but it was through those days that the Lord really worked in my heart, 1984, of June, the very first Sunday of June, I preached my first message. And uh, from that, of course, working for a company and uh, living for the Lord, serving the Lord, and found myself preaching in about every church in West Virginia that my daddy would pastor. They would call me and say, you're a preacher, Paulie's boy, we want you to come over and preach. And so we preached a lot of different revivals. I like to go back and do some of those over because I know I made a mess of things. Uh, but uh, I began taking classes from Liberty, correspondence classes for those young people. That's when they send you these papers in the mail when you fill them out and then you send them back rather than online as it is today. And uh, ironically, the church that Daddy had pastored when I was born, from, he pastored from 49 to 55. And uh, James and Sonny both were saved at Cranberry. Uh, they called me to come and preach youth revivals. Well, I was in my mid-30s, and that was a time when you could uh, be called for youth revivals. I don't get those calls anymore. Uh, but uh, I preached, and it was sometime after that, a few years after that, that they called me and asked me would I consider coming as pastor. And so we accepted the call of uh, June of 1990 by vocation, still working for the company. And through that process, the Lord just began to work 
on my heart in a tremendous way. Scott had answered a call to preach about that same time, and what a blessing it was to see Preacher Barley preach on our Heritage Sunday. It was every fifth Sunday, and Preacher Barley would preach on Sunday morning, Scott would preach on Sunday night. And little did we realize that the influence that that would have upon our son. And to see our son serving the Lord and his wife and also our daughter, Stacy, went to Bible college and married a young man who is the assistant pastor and has been uh, for 22 years there at Cranberry and still serving the Lord. And uh, it's a, an interesting thing what has happened over the years and the Lord allowed us to go full time, leave the company. Uh, but just in the last couple of years, we felt very strong that the Lord uh, desired something else in our life. And so we surrendered to that. And last Sunday was our first Sunday, last Sunday to preach a message as pastor of the Cranberry Baptist Church, a place that we love dearly. We've chosen to step away for three months and not even darken the doors of the church and to allow the pastor, who was a co-pastor for three years, to make the transition. And God has certainly put all this together and we're just trusting him for it. We ask that you pray for us as we are seeking God's will. We have uh, received several calls over these 90 days. I, ironically, uh, James, I haven't said this to you, but out of the 13 Sundays, we have uh, all but maybe three of those Sundays that preachers have called and asked, would we come and preach? And that's so encouraging to us. And uh, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace, surrendered completely to the Lord, whatever God desires for Marsha and I, we want to be faithful to the Lord. As I stand here, I'm thankful for our family and for our two children and uh, who are serving the Lord. And now we have two grandsons that have just answered a call to preach and are attending Crown College. And uh, we ask that you pray for them. I look back, James, and indeed we have a goodly heritage. I'm thankful for my grandfather, who led the singing until he was 98 years old at the Union Mission Church and 94 years old. He passed away at 98. I hope we have those genes and still able to recognize who we are, <laughs> right? But uh, regardless of how long we have, uh, we're thankful for what God has done in our heart. Let me leave this with you. Whatever you accomplish in life, the only thing that really matters is what you do for Christ indeed. And all that we're going to leave behind that really matters is our influence. I thank God for the influence of my dad, my grandparents, my mom, my brother, many more. And I desire to leave something behind. And may I say it's about influence as we yield ourselves to the perfect will of God. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And then he says, which is your reasonable service. It's the right thing to do as we yield to him. God bless you. Thank you. For Thank you, Roger. One of the things about growing up in a preacher's home, you don't get to heaven by earthly blood. Neither you get there by being redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm glad that Roger got saved later in life. I'm glad I got saved before 
in younger life. I'm glad God can choose us, call us, and we can respond. Praise the Lord for His salvation and for His influence on my life also. Uh, I'm not trying to make it a mutual admiration society, but I am thankful for my family also. Brother Ken, good to have you. Come and speak to us, brother. Share what's on your heart. It's a joy to have you with us tonight. They'd mean to put you on the spot, but it's either you or your wife's got to do it. Well, Roger, I don't know if you remember, but I've just seen you. I met you on a plane one time at pastor school. And we talked. And you told me your brother was Brother James Parler. I said, wow. And uh, so... And that was the first time, it's the only time I met you and talked to you maybe 15 minutes or 20, but that, that was, um, and uh, Brother Paulie, I appreciate him I, talking about influence, um, and I'll say it in a minute, but years ago after I was saved, I, I did get into a good work, Brother Dan Patrick, and he told me a man in Kannapolis had an incredible influence on him. I said, well, who is that? He says, James Pauley, and that's how I met Brother Paulie, through Dan, Dr. Dan Patrick, but... But years ago, in my salvation, just briefly, and I thank God for my wife is here, and we've been married uh, 40 years, and um, going on 41, we dated three years in high school, and uh, like Brother Paulie said, it's kind of young back in those days, you know, she's only 46, you know, <laughs> but no, but really, she don't look much more than 40-something, but uh, but we, we dated three years, so we've been together 43 years, but um I was actually, uh, my brothers and my family, we were very uh, into sports, and, and I was too, but, and they all played basketball beyond high school, and I, that's what I was going to do, but God stopped that right at the moment. And so I had to, uh, once that was stopped, I had to figure out what I was going to do, so I started going to college, and so I was working as a professional bartender at night to pay my way uh, through college. Because I wasn't going to play basketball like my brothers, which I had the opportunity, but just something stopped it. I know later what it was, but anyway, and so I was going through the, the college and working in this bar room at night as, as a professional bartender at a country club, and and the Spirit of the Lord one night just came into the bar room right where I was at and just convicted me I was a sinner. I mean, I'd done been there maybe. I don't know, maybe a year, I don't even know, working. And and it continued to happen two or three times in a week or two. And after about the second week, it got really intense. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I said, I remember as a little boy that uh, a teacher, and I, I believe I remember her name is Miss Humphrey, I believe, but um, she taught me John 3.16 as a little boy. I never forgot it. And God used John 3.16 all them years later, and I was 19 years of age, and went in that bar room. No preacher, no soul winner, no, nobody. Just the Holy Spirit. And convicted me I was a sinner. And after about two weeks, I said, Lord, is, I mean, I told my wife, I said, well, could, could, I know it's crazy, but I want to go to church Sunday. And she said, all right. And she was actually saved on the bus route at uh, Faith Fruitful Baptist Church in Goldsboro. And um, and her whole, most of her family, large family, um, six children, most of them saved on the bus route there. And um, 
And one, uh, a preacher out of that uh, bus route ministry and got how children, em emphasis God places there. But anyway, so it, it went on. We went to church and it was a, it was a church. It was a non-soul winning church. We didn't know where to go, what to do. And, but anyway, I, I, I went and I heard the sermon and God convicted me, but nobody said nothing or whatever. And I went back home and that week, God, I mean, really put conviction on me. I could not sleep for two or three nights. And I just bowed down and said, Lord, I wish I knew how to be saved. I wish somebody would tell me. I said, but if you'll let me get to church Sunday, I'll get saved. I don't know. I just, God, I, I, I remember praying, God, don't let me die. Just don't let me die before now on Sunday night or Sunday. And I went to church and knelt down after the, the, the preacher preached. And I, I believe he's a good man. But, and he preached and I don't even really know. I just went down and I just knelt down and prayed. Nobody said a word to me. The preacher come over and he put his hand on me. He said, are you okay, son? That's all he said. It's been 40 years next month. And nobody's ever said a word to me about my salvation. But the Holy Spirit of God Amen. convicted me. Yes. And I bowed on my face and said, God, I know I'm a sinner. Would you take a bartender? And he said, I'll take you right now. Amen. It's been 40 years. He's sweeter. I love him more. And for years and years, of course, I rise at 4.30 every morning until 7.30. My phone's off. I get at least three hours before the day comes on. Every morning it gets sweeter. I wish I could take five. I used to, but now I don't have to take because I'm just doing evangelism work things now, so I have to get out. But when I was pastoring, I'd take a lot longer than that. But uh, at least those three hours are so sweet. And, and it's sweeter and through the day. I, try, I, I give a gospel witness out every day I live. Uh, unless there's storms or you know how life is there might be some you can't get out and and I was uh, and so then uh, in that liberal church I stayed there for a while and God called me to preach about actually 1986 and I ran for one year in 1987 I received the call and I preached there for a few years and just the liberal church very liberal and the I didn't have no idea what was going on with that I just knew God was burning me up on the inside that's all I knew I just wanted to tell somebody about Christ. I didn't even, nobody preached it. Nobody could even tell me what to do, but I just knew something was going on and I yielded to it. And then uh, I remember in 1994, a man down the road went to a, a, a fundamental church and he gave me a sword of the Lord paper. And that sword of the Lord paper, uh, actually there's one right here beside me. <laughs> and, uh, he put one in my hand. I'd never seen a sword of the Lord paper. And on that paper, it said there's going to be a, 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 a a Sword of the Lord Conference at Gospel Light Baptist Church, August 8, 1994. And on it had Tom, Dr. Tom Malone, uh, Dr. Lee Robertson, Dr. Harold Seitler, uh, Dr. Jack Howells, and, and, and just a list of those. I'd never heard of any of those men, never. And um, I told my wife I was working with the school system, and I had a very good job. I was in administration in the school system, very good job. But... I said, you know, they let me do what I want to. I'm going to take that week off. We're going to go. My little children, my, they were little, and, uh, and they went. And that week, that night, August the 8th, that's when it started. That first night, Dr. Tom Malone got up. He preached on, come over into Macedonia and help us. I walked to the front. Nobody had to tell me that. I, I surrendered full time. I said, I told my wife, I said, I've got to do this full time. I'm going to die. And that was in 1994. I had no idea what to do. 
So Dr. Dan Patrick started helping me. I went to see him because I, I was just so lost in what, what was going on. And I, after a while, several years, I still pastored in, in that type of church. Then I uh, went to his church for a while. He got me started. And I went down to Florida and just God set me on fire for soul winning is really what he did. And to glorify his name. That's really what he did. Just set me on fire for trying to win souls and, and, and glorify him. And through the years, that's what I've tried to do. I'm not a good preacher. That's why he didn't have me to preach tonight. <laughs> But I can tell you what, I told him I preached a funeral yesterday, two got saved, UPS man come up to the house, he got saved, and somebody else, I said, you get the gospel, Romans 1, 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. Most people believe it, if you just tell them Christ died for their sins according to scripture and was buried and rose on the third day, most people would take it because the spirit of God would show them heaven and hell. And he loves them. I tell people, I don't know a whole lot, but there's two things I do. No, God loves you and God will forgive you. Amen. Amen. And, um, and so we came back after the Florida church. That was a tremendous work there. And then Dr. Patrick helped me uh, get started at uh, Burlington. And, uh, and I preached there 13 years at a, at a church plant. And uh, Brother Paul, that was cutting board, that restaurant. <laughs> that's where you and he preached for me several times and I tell me but but brother Patrick told me this is a soul winner and you know brother Paulie there's not many left him like him soul winners people that laser focused on eternity how many people you know like that how many not a lot is it he's laser focused on eternity that's what I want just like his brother said that's what I want that's all that's going to matter he, he said it. God is on them. The Spirit of the Lord is on them. And, and see, God gives you that vision like Isaiah 6. He gives you that vision of God. And that's where it's at. And so I appreciate that. He helped us so much in the Burlington area for 13 years. I appreciate that, brother. We went out to the Midwest and, and pastored for a while out there. And now we're back. And we bought a house in Lexington. And I'm not pastor now. And I'm mean, just doing evangelism work, whatever I can do. But there's one thing I know. When there's a meet a man on the street, I know it's my assignment to tell him that God loves him. And God will forgive him. I love you, preacher. You sure are influence on me, like your brother said. And I do appreciate you. And thank God for what you meant for me and my wife and what you've done for us. God bless you. I believe those guys could probably wear back and preach a little bit tonight if they wanted to. There's three things that changed and revolutionized my life. One is to realize God loves me. See, I grew up in a preacher's home. I heard about the love of God all my life. But I didn't realize it until a grown man that God really loves me. With all of my faults and all of my inconsistencies, all of my liabilities and what little assets I have, God loves me just like I am. He wants me to get better but he loves me just the same. And number two, that he lives within me in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of a holy God. That'll revolutionize your life. He walks with me. He talks with me. Now, I don't hear an audible voice of God. I've never heard that in my life. But that still, small voice on the inside, he speaks through his word. And that word comes to our heart and helps us. And I'm glad God chose to live inside of us. I don't know how he did that. The great big God who lives everywhere and fills the whole universe is small enough to come inside of my life and live. And what's good, Brian, he lives in your life. 
Roger, he lives in your life. Brother and sisters, he lives in your life. The same God dwells in all of our lives. I can't explain that, but I'm glad I got in on it. Not only did he love me and he lives in me, he longs to use me. My granddaddy, he mentioned a while ago, Grandpa Polly, I went to the mission, I preached that mission. Several things I remember. My grandmother was an invalid for a while, had sickness, bed fast. Grandpa Polly would always get somebody to sit with her. And he'd say something like this, I've got obligations. He'd get there early, pass out the hymn books, get things ready to lead singing. I was sitting on the platform with my granddaddy. There's a picture of him in my office. He's a small guy like I am, and just a little guy. But he's sitting there on the platform, and uh, he's getting up in years now. And he gets up to lead the song, and sometimes he was high, behind a bar, too. Wasn't right on target. And I whispered over the pastor, and I said, you know, it may be time for Grandpa to step down. He's sort of getting slow and needing music. And who am I to say that, you know? And uh, the pastor said, don't you talk like that. I'd rather have a guy a few bars behind who's dedicated to God and be on and be good and everything else and sorry and not on time, not dedicated to his task. He said, Your grandpa is a faithful man. And I remember that vividly. Grandpa got where he shook like this. He held a cup of coffee, he did it like that, just to drink a cup of coffee. But grandpa was faithful to the Lord Amen. until the day he died, and I'm grateful for those ninety eight years that God gave him. And I'm trying to say he influenced my life. Everybody influences somebody. And I'm not much of an influence, but I'm thankful those influenced my life made a difference in where I'm at today, including my daddy and all the other folks that we've run across and run across me in my lifetime. I am grateful to God for the influence. I hope we influence others for time and eternity. Thank you, Roger, for your testimony. Thank you, Brother Ken. Now we'll ask their wives to come. That is secure the daylight silent. Let's stand together, please. Thank you for your kind attention. If you're not saved tonight, it's a good time to get saved. It's a good time to get saved anytime. Let me tell you something else about that mission right quick before we sing. I was preaching on the cross of Calvary. I had Jesus on the cross. And some drunk come down the aisle. It was city mission. And he said, I don't believe a word of it. And you take him down from that cross or I'm going to whip you. Here I am, just a young preacher, didn't know what to do in a city mission. And the pastor's wife, she was sort of a hefty lady. She got out of her seat. That drunk come by her pew. She put her arm around him and got him in, in, in a hold like that. And she drug that guy back out the back door. And she said, you shut up while the man of God is preaching. I said, hallelujah for preacher's wives. Amen. You can say, you shut up while the man of God's preaching. But thank God for all those that have a contribution in the work of the Lord. We need some folks just sell out to God. Amen. Just sell out to God. Young people, sell out to God. Amen. Quit trying to play the game and Mickey Mouse around about it. The sooner we sell out to God, the better off we are. Folks 12 and 13 years of age have called, got the call of God. And some of us are in our teenage years. You don't have to wait till you're an old man. Some of us have regrets because they start earlier. But may God help us all to serve the Lord until the day we die. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Time to get saved, time to dedicate your life to God, time to surrender your life to God's will for your life. You may not know what it is altogether, but be willing to be 
in the will of God. Father, thank you for these good testimonies, these two great men. Thank you for their life. Thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, over the years and just doing what they know to do as you lead them along the way, we're glad you lead your dear children along the way. Every story is different. Everybody's got a different story. I thought about it a while ago. Well, they were singing. Father, thank you for Sister Marlowe and the testimony she's had and struggles down through the years. What a wonderful blessing it was just to see her sing a song along with the family members. I'm glad for Shana and her testimony. She's somebody. Everybody's somebody. Everybody's precious to God. No matter where we've been, what we've done, He loves us all. And Lord, may others surrender themselves to be used of Thee in these days that we live for the cause of Christ, for the glory of God. Father, as we sing together an invitation, may folks respond accordingly, and we'll thank You for it in Jesus' name. As we begin to sing the very first verse, if you need to come, you come. Let's pray together.